Welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. So every month, um, the Holy Spirit reveals to me in strange and unusual ways a focus for us as a people. It says that without vision, people perish. So I wanted to give us, I like to give us vision. I'm a vision caster and you need vision for your life because you would just walk off the cliff otherwise. Um, I wanted to kind of just give a brief little synopsis of, of um, I'm on TV down there, um, just kind of how it came about for me today. I... I had been praying about the month of November. You know, I've been in ministry for over 40 years, and so the holiday times are rough for people, <clears throat> for some people. And I was really wanting to, um, I guess you could say, bridge the gap between Things. And so it was interesting today that I, I woke up with this um, scripture about hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I just randomly discovered this message by Michael Miller. I wasn't even looking for anything to go with what I was feeling. But it ended up being really cool. And I'm going to send it out with our focus this month for you to kind of meditate on. But one of the things he was talking about was that there's a gap between our expectation and between fulfillment. And if we don't do something with that gap, then it can make our heart sick. It can make us um, lower our expectation of dreaming. Anybody ever had that happen to them at all? And so years ago, God gave me this Acronym. You know what an acronym is? It's where you take a little part of the word and make it into. Anyway, he gave me this acronym for hope, and it's helping open people's eyes. And that's going to be our focus. I actually have a little slide um, that hope is what lies in the middle between my expectation and what hasn't yet been fulfilled. And, you know, I'm going to, like I said, I'm going to send out this message, but I loved one of the things he said was, he said, following God is like a river. Yeah. It's, it's a swell over here. It's a rapid sometimes. It's a movement over here. It's not just uniform. And that's, you know, as you grow and your ability to trust again. You know, one of the um, travesties of a fatherless, fatherless generation is we don't know how to trust. And the strangest thing is we trust all the wrong things because we trust what's equal to where my soul is right now. And a lot of times it's, it's in people. We trust what our, we think our soul needs in another person, but unfortunately, since they're doing the same thing, they're void of any ability to meet my need. When all along, there's the need meter available. And I'm going to talk about it with what we talk about tonight, but, but Psalm 16 is a really great one. I like... I've lived by this scripture for a long time. You will show me the path of life. And in your presence, that's why you have to be presence people, there's a fullness of joy. Joy is the antidote for hopelessness. And true joy is only found in His presence. You can't find it in a TV show. You can't find it in a person. You can't find it in a job. You can't find it in food. We try, don't we? 
And then it says, at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. How, how many of you realize that God is the maker of pleasure? What society has done is we have morphed pleasure into, we have morphed lust into pleasure. And we called that pleasure. But how many know all of God's definitions of everything are different than what a soulish person can make out of their own lusts? It's just true. So I'm hoping, actually, I'm, I'm, Cece actually has a little song about it, but I'm not going to make her sing it. But I'm hoping we're going to write a song about it because it has to do with fire. And so while we were in the green room shooty, played us a song about fire that she wrote at three in the morning that she sang in her sleepy voice. It was the cutest thing I've ever heard in my life. Fire. <laughs> it was so good. We were in there cracking up. And then Cece, she went outside and sang into her phone, which she does quite often, and sang a whole song about fire too. So that sounds like a song we want to sing about fire, doesn't it? So we're going to write that this week, I think. So anyway, sure, you'll get a little more. It's, it's, it's just the gift that's going to give all November, right? So be reading Psalm 16, and I'll send out more information about it. But um, ask God where you're hopeless. You know, I think Steve Backlund says it best. Every place that you're void of hope it's because that place is under the influence of a lie. And lies are really easy to dispel because they're lodged in our souls from a history of modeling that don't get your hopes up. Yeah. People are going to fail you, and people are, but God's not. And we're creating a culture of people who will honor and not check out, not be failures, not be hurtful. And when we are hurtful, we know how to apply grace. And we've, we've decided to not be professional apologizers. We've decided to change. Yeah, that's it. Haven't we, Phil? Yeah. And so... That's a lot of hope right there. Anyway, that's what we're going to do. So in 30 days, think about it for a minute. If you have a place that's hopeless, the transforming power of hope can come in and reveal to you another perspective over that area. You receive it? Got a lot of new art up. I'm really excited about the girls. have been throwing some paint around. And they're looking good, aren't they? Anyway, Christmas is coming. So tonight, I, um, I'm going to talk some more about stewarding abundance. I am, we started on Sunday um, talking about the resources of abundance. Um, Lynn, do you have that handout on digital? Do one of y'all have it? Won't you? Uh, Cece will send it out to y'all on, on your text if you don't have it, because we have this handy duty, duty community text now, so you can just receive it if you want it. Pam wants it. Isn't it good to see Pam? Yeah. The one-eyed bandit. It was perfect timing because it was Halloween and I just called her a pirate all day. <laughs> you know, everything that we as leaders, as ministers, as priests and kings, don't you love all your names? Everything that we deliver to people, every message that we have, we've first, it's first ministered to us first. That's the beautiful thing about a prophetic community is that it first came to you, 
transformed you. And then it gave you eyes to see the abundance in somebody else. You know, God didn't design anybody without creating gold within them. You're golden in there. And God is, you know, Job said it, I believe, refine me. He wanted, he cried out for refinement. And I think his, his life showed us a glimpse of what we can experience in the refining process. You know, part of what has to change in our minds is that I'm not my own. And I, and I, you know, I'm in process, all of us are, of coming into a realization of how much better what he planned is than what my own was anyway. At first, we're reluctant to give away what we made. We're reluctant to give up our will. Ooh, have you ever, have you ever had a strong will, anyone? It just feels like, what does that feel like inside? It just feels stiff, stubborn, yuck, right? Have you ever, have you ever got to the place where you wanted to change something? You wanted to believe for something else? You know, you're all, there's always going to be both in every audience of your life. Those, so when the Bible says there'll be two laying in the bed together and one will be eclipsed into heaven because I don't know if that is literal. It might be, but it's literally happening where you can be married to somebody and you can be experiencing, you can be in the same church in the same chair and someone's experiencing glory and shaking all over and somebody else is like, is it time to go home yet? <laughs> That's the beautiful part of this life. We all get to choose. And it's, it's my awareness of his abundance that actually causes me to ache for more. When you have nothing, you don't even really have the possibility to dream for something else. Right? And, and part of, you know, part of what's happening right now on earth is that there's such an abundance of his presence. And what that means is that there's people and situations that weren't just yesterday didn't have God in it at all. I mean, take this, you know, I'm not, I'm not political, so don't get your stuff in a wad, but you know, they just voted in a new speaker of the house. Now, if you hear his story, and I don't, I haven't heard, but this much of it. But he was literally quoting the scripture saying, all authority, everyone in authority has been put there by God. And he was talking about, we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. And he was saying all these different things. And I was thinking, well, just yesterday, some other dude was saying something different in that same place. And all of a sudden, some little guy, it's really young, it's only been in politics a few years, less than 10, I think, is third in line to be the president. I bet that guy's sitting at home going, how the heck did this happen? Right? That's the suddenlies of God, like the preparation process for him to be in that position happened a long time before anyone ever knew his name. And see, that's the abundance of God, that he designed you and equipped you and put gold in you, and he sends all kinds of circumstances to rub on it, to make it shiny. Not for you. Have you, have you discovered you're a little bit shinier than you thought? It's not for you, Cheryl Lynn. It's for everyone else to say, How'd you get to be so shiny? I remember when you were. And then strangers come to bask underneath your shininess and say, will you draw me some stuff? Can I just pay you a lot of money to draw me some stuff? I mean, you've really only drawn some little girls on a book, but will you? 
draw my book now? Because you're shiny. I want your shiny to touch my black and white. All I have is these words. And see, that's abundance. See, the thing that's happening on the earth right now is that abundance is increasing. He's pouring the shiny on a lot of people that really didn't do a whole lot to get shiny. And it's just popping up in these random moments of favor. So I'm leading you. I'm leading you down this path that the abundance is unending and it's it's drowning. It drowns me. I have to spend time, you know, I've been there where I just barely made it financially. I've been hungry. You know, when, when we moved to Colorado, we moved there to be involved in this ministry. And our little, our little introvert, who now I know a lot more about her, you know, she was a little feeler. She couldn't be out in front because she just got, nobody was at the gate. And she got to this place where we were going to do ministry, and she was like, oh, I can't go here. And I'm like, I moved every freaking thing here for you. And now you're just not going to go. Now what are we going to do? Well, you know, we had to go, we had to go save some things. We had to go resurrect Timmy. Low heed. It's okay. He's not going to be listening. And so... <laughs> And so I learned to stir the abundance in the middle of nothing. See, because here's what you have to understand. In the middle of nothing, I knew something was coming. <laughs> do, do you? In the middle of the nothing. See, because you won't ever have the something. There would be really no point in making you shiny if you were going to shine for you. You can shine for you without him. But you can't shine for the world if you don't have him. Agreed? And so I want to take us down this little road in Isaiah 64, my second resource of abundance we're going to talk about tonight because we're presence people, right? Right? Anybody joining me and being, I mean, you may not be good at it, but it's the awareness that his presence could fall and do anything anytime. I don't want to be over looking at a hot dog when he's burning up a bush. Agreed? So I have to be willing to turn aside just any moment, anytime. It could be anything. He doesn't even have to tell me he's going to do it. And so let's, let's turn to Isaiah 64. This is so fun. Think about this. Isaiah was before Jesus. Agreed? <laughs> few years. And I learned it like this because I learned it in the King James Amplified Version, basically. It says, oh, here Isaiah. You remember who Isaiah is? In the year King Uzziah died. I've preached on this a lot. I saw the Lord. That's what Isaiah said. In the year that the guy died, right, that I had looked up that was king, he came down. I saw something for the first time. That's the moment of your calling. Remember when he called you? Something died. You may not know it. Maybe been your dog died. I don't know. Something died, right? And then you saw, oh my gosh, I just experienced him, him. And so 64 chapters later, he says, oh, that you would rend the heavens and you would come down. Oh, that you would tear open where you are and you would come down here where I am. Because I can't get up there to where you are. Do you, 
It said, oh, do you, do you feel the, oh. It says, in the Passion, it says, God, if only you would tear open the heavenly realm and come down. He's, he's crying out for something. He's actually releasing a prophecy because now you live in an open heaven. When did the open heaven occur? When did the open heaven occur? Do you, can you think of any tearing in the story in the New Testament? Where was there some tearing? When the veil was torn. A, they describe it as a, who knows, four to six inch piece of material. It wasn't like these flimsy little athletic pants. They were, it was a thick piece of material. And when Jesus finished his assignment, what if you'd had Jesus' assignment? I think about that a lot. Have you ever been, have you ever had an anxiety attack? Anybody ever had? I've had one. Ooh, it's yucky, isn't it? But he sweat blood. I just couldn't breathe. Isn't that funny that that's proof that's of the enemy? Because it's proof that it's fear. It's from the God of fear because it takes away the one thing. Yeah. And so when Jesus finished his assignment, it says the veil between what? Oh, no. What was the veil separating? Help us, Pammy. The outer to the inner. Does anybody remember? No one remembers this story. Where I stood something separated me from where he stood it was an earthly represented representation that god made in the day of moses remember what happened in the day of moses his desire was to rescue you from slavery and you come and meet with him to be his people he said i'll rescue you so i can be your god why does he want to be your God? Because he's got a bunch of rules? Because he loves you. Because he knows how he made you. He knows you just got hoodwinked by a liar and sold your soul to the devil. And he says, I pulled you out of slavery, right? But they didn't want it. They wanted to go between their birth, the Catholic religion. They wanted to go between, right? Just give me, just, right? We know the whole story, right? So when, when Jesus was finished, that thing that separated me from him was torn away. It was a physical manifestation on the earth of what happened between humanity and God. And Jesus became the doorway to the Father. In that one moment, that that's the plan of God. And so the only thing that can separate me is sin. Sin's the great separator. Listen, I'm telling you, there is a thing right now that's just trying to expose everything about everybody, everywhere that anybody possibly can. Just It's just going on when we've all sinned. I've sinned, you've sinned. We've all sinned. Let's expose it. Just say it out loud. We've all sinned. I've done it. Let's just be done with a great exposure because I want to step through the veil that's been torn. I'm not going to let my sin separate me because I can come to Jesus. And you know what he said that God would do with sin? He would forget it when I use the plan. And here's the cool thing about this plan. It's free. It's about what I believe. And he made me with the believer. I have it equipped inside me. I have a believer. 
called faith. I have the ability to believe. And so when I do something, the Holy Spirit says, oh, we're about to be separated from God. Do you want that? That's called conviction. We're about to be separated. Do you want that? And we say, yes or no. And if I say, oh, no, if I, if I wasn't so old, I'd get down low. I get down low. Because the doorway's down low. And what happens? Sin is forgotten. Relationship is restored. And I keep on walking. Now, see, the religious spirit says you got to have some time logged down. Get down. Get down. You stay down there. And I'll come back by in a little bit with some board members and other people. And I'll let you know when you can get back up here on this square box. I'm telling you, I'm just telling you, you're going to hear more. This is a movement going on. Now, I'm sure there's some stuff that needs to be rearranged. I mean, because God's shaking too. But we have to be careful, especially when we hear of stuff, that we don't get on the bandwagon with the board members. I just always say to myself, how would I want to be treated? I want to treat others with that same way. Because didn't we just all say, I have sinned. And so Isaiah prophesied about wishing, hoping, requesting. What is prophecy? It's it says, it says that God does nothing on the earth without telling his prophets. I mean, it makes us all want to be prophetic, except for there's also a responsibility with it. Right? Because I can speak out of my soul and call it prophecy. And it doesn't have any obligation to be fulfilled. However... <laughs> Let me scoot over here. However, I'm off camera now. I'm just kidding. However, when you become a friend of God, when you learn to walk, like I preached a couple of weeks ago, you can ask anything in his name, and he'll do it. The indicator that I know him is that when I ask him, does he do what I ask? It's an easy check and balance. It's an easy check and balance. And see, when Isaiah was saying, I have such a desire. This is what you have to say. I have such a desire to know you. I'm not good at knowing you. Because no one ever showed me. But I have such a desire to know you. To know you as this good father. To know you as complete love. To know that everything in my life viewed through the lens of the father could make sense. Will you let me come visit? I don't have to cry anymore for him to rend the heavens. I don't have to hope that I qualify as this special priest that gets to walk into the Holy of Holies with a string tied around my neck in case I die in there and they can pull me out. You'll have to read about that story yourself. I can come, what does it say? Boldly. Do you come boldly before your God? Or do you come, oh, I don't know, I'm really worried that you, I don't know, do you know anything that's going on with me? Boldly. What's the last thing you did super boldly? What does that feel like? To be bold. He's saying, it says you can be bold with God. What does that feel like? 
that means that I can be in right standing with him and I can look at this prophecy and I can say, that was for me. You should read the whole chapter because it's amazing. It says in verse 8, we are clay and you are the potter. Have you ever done pottery? When I was little, I had a pottery wheel. I've done it all, girls. I've done it all. I know. I know. I had that mom that was like, you want to macrame a 40-foot table? Let's do it. <laughs> and we did. We hung that up in our house for years. You want to do some of that felt painting in the, with neon lights in the dark? Let's do that. I'll buy you some paint. You want to make those creepy crawlers with that ooey-gooey lime stuff? We'll do that. It was a yes. Everything was a yes. Why? She saw that I had a desire to create. Best mom in the world. I'm clay. Listen to this. Each one of us, say each one of us, turn your neighbor and say each one of us, is the creative artist. Artistic, sorry, creative, artistic work of his hands. Look at your hand. Look at those wrinkles on your, you don't have as many as me, on your knuckles. Can you count them? Look at that. Look at all those. He designed the length and width and height of those. Creative masterpiece. Of divine design. Not a hair on your head does he not have numbered. 27 right there. Look at that thing. 27 curly right there. Never been gray. I mean, it's amazing. So in the state of humanity, we all live, all humanity, whether they are Christians or not, live under an open heaven. Wow. 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 Because it's been torn. But the access point is Jesus. That's not going to change. I don't know how you get to that one doorway right there of Jesus. I don't know what way that you come, but he's the way. He's the door. He's the light. You're stumbling around in your own ego and rebellion and rejection of God, and he's still... Still got his light on. Still got his light. Look. Because why? Because he can't turn off the light. And see, that's why when I realize I'm in open heaven, I want to exercise all of the abilities in open heaven presented to me. And think about it. Wouldn't it be the greatest travesty of our lives to get to heaven and he say, I had all this abundance. Why didn't you use it? What would we say? We can't say we were unaware. I'm making you aware. What would be our excuse? Sure, I'll make it to heaven. Slide in there like at second base. But what if he said, I gave you an open heaven for what? For what? What was it that God was trying to be when he invited them out of slavery? It's a metaphor for us. You've been invited out of where you were, someone else was your master. Maybe it was just you. Maybe it was just your soul. Maybe it was somebody else that was controlling you. But you, but God's not it. He's not the master. So, see, this open heaven says that I have access 
to the resources of heaven. And here's my assignment. I need to change earth to look like that. If I am unaware that I'm seated in heavenly places and I don't look around up there, I look around up there all the time. I sang a song one time, take me on a tour of heaven. I want to see like heaven. I want to, I personally, you may not want to, but I want to see you like heaven sees you. Because then no matter what you do, I'll keep in mind, I'm helping shaping you to look like heaven. You know, I, I took part of my inheritance that my dad has recently passed away. They were not rich people. But my mom's still alive, and she wanted to give me part of my inheritance. It wasn't a ton of money or anything. But Aaron and Judy, they are, I adopted them. When I was 28 years old, God told me I'd have two adopted children. And I tried to make that happen. <laughs> I'm glad I didn't have a bunch of Ishmaels. And they would be called, this was when I was 28, they would be called Nathaniel and Tabitha. And I don't have time to tell you all about that. That's just a cool story. But it, God revealed to me that they were those people. And there's a lot of amazing people in here. Can you just celebrate what I'm trying to tell you right now? You will, won't you? I'm not going to look at all the people that can't. Okay. So, so I took part of my inheritance and I, you know, he's into old stuff. I'm not. He likes old crappy antique stuff. Sorry. It's just a little joke. It's a little joke we have. They go to those things. What are they called? Where, yeah, the, yeah, those antique stores, flea markets where Lynn and I, we have made a vow. We will never enter there. And so God had showed me this guitar. I think I may have even sent him this lava guitar. I don't know. But just in the last 12 months, they came out with a pro, because he's a pro. It's cool, isn't it? Army's like, oh, I want to touch it. <laughs> but see, I had to wrestle because I know he likes the old stuff. But the Holy Spirit began to show me, and he gave me this word, and I, gave, I, I released it over him the other night at our leadership meeting. But here's the interesting part that happened. He had this special pick that had his name inscribed on it. And he liked this pick so much, he kept it in his special little pouch. Isn't that the cutest thing you've ever heard? A pick pouch? Who knew? And that pick pouch was in another pouch. Because why? He needed to protect the pick. I mean, it was special, right? It had his name on it. He had had it. How long had he had that? So many years, we don't know. So the other night, I was... Re 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 I, sorry, I started speaking tongues. But you couldn't understand what I meant if I was... I was releasing this word and... You know, it was a special moment for me. And we had brought this little amp that we had up here at the Hive home so he could play it. And, of course, you know, needed a chord and all those kinds of things, you know. So that's a whole other story, too. But he reached in his pocket to get out his favorite pick which was known for being unbreakable and it had cracked right in half now I didn't know what that meant because I didn't get it but he knew and I was telling them yesterday there's a story in the Bible when the Ark of the Covenant was stolen that the Philistine God the morning that they'd stole it, the Philistines woke up the next morning and the God was laying face down. It was a statue. Of course, 
They picked him back up, stood him back up, went to sleep the next night. He fell over again, bowing face down, and he had broke his arms off. And see, in that moment that when something, when the power of God is released through you, it makes every other God bow. I'm not saying the pick was the God, but it was a metaphor for him. He and I know what it means. And in that moment, it's not about this piece of carbonite up here. It's about a release of an anointing. And that's the reason you want to live under an open heaven. That's the reason. Because in open heaven, the Spirit has the freedom to move about on the earth, accomplishing what was predestined in heaven to be done here at this time. You want that. And listen to me. It's in abundance. What is able to flow between heaven and earth is in abundance. It's unlimited. And the way that I stirred it, now see, he could have took that pick and he could have said, we have got to glue this baby back together. But he didn't. It was a sacrifice to no way. He doesn't know what the new way is. He may not even like the guitar. He may not even like the new way. It's not, it does not matter. Do you hear me? It does not matter because when I'm in an open heaven, the things of the spirit become so enormous that the old thing is like, it says it, dirty rags. <laughs> That's another word for it. Dirty rags. I, I cast it off easily. That's how you know when you are living in the open heaven because when the Spirit comes, I shift, I change, I adjust. I, I make that next thing different. Whatever the Spirit says, that, think about it, that is amazing that that's the time you live in now. And the awareness and make it big. That's why I like to look around to see what God's doing. You know, I have these, you, I have these three, we have these three rat terriers that are little. My little cow today, she's so little. You didn't, thank you. That when Moo got home today, she thought she had jumbo legs and she went to scurry up the stairway and she fell back down but not gracefully, like only a short-legged dog can do. But I'm telling you right now, those three rats are on a mission. There's a black crow that's been coming into our backyard. And I love, listen, it's just a metaphor in the spirit. Because Moo and I, we're on this gatekeeping thing. I love it because they will all three Run, we have a new door in our room, and they'll run to the door, and they'll be up on their squirty little legs. And they'll be, and I'll open the door, and they literally think they can catch it. And they will run and run and run, their big old mean bark, to what? To show I have authority here. You can't be here. And it's a metaphor for me when they start doing that. They don't even do that every day. It wakes me up. And it makes me say, pay attention, Tisa. Today, the black crow's trying to come into your yard. And you better send your authority out to say, you can't be here. Come on, Cece. So good, isn't it? I love this series that that uh, Tease is on just, you know, all year to get through each one because there can be an entire message on each resource. I mean, seriously, this could be this could be huge. OK, did you hear that? All the rest next time. I don't want it to go that fast. I like pressing into the individual things. I just wanted to read this. Um, this is a little 
poem type story I wrote back in 2018 that always comes back around to me. And it, um, Tisa's message tonight reminded me of it, thinking about the resource of an open heaven and the reality of its access that we have to it and its activity. It's constantly pouring out. The open heaven is not ever turned off. Like it's never having a dry day. No one turns off the spigot. You know, it's just, it's always gushing out. And so we read this little, um, this little poem I wrote. Although modeled in his design, in desperation they sit, consumed with the emptiness they see. Their focus is locked onto the container at their feet. Waiting, watching, hoping, they plead for a filling. Concerned only with what they do not see, they can focus on nothing else but this need. Meanwhile, in the room next door, a similar container sits unattended. No one is observing the activity there. It sits alone, but under a powerful, rushing, gushing flow. Water pours in with such intensity, it always overtakes the brim. Overflowing, it spills from all sides, flooding the floor. The magnitude and the volume so great, it appears to even change the container's shape. Meanwhile, in the other room, a mind is still consumed with the dryness it perceives. Little do they know, that container was not meant for their need. It was meant to be carried. It was meant to scoop from the overflow that is actually so close. It was meant to carry an abundant supply to those who are dry. It's destiny to deliver over and over from a freely given, constant supply. It's a great picture, I think, of where we can find ourselves sometimes. We can get so easily consumed with what we don't have and what we need and literally right next door. Like if you just stopped thinking about what that dryness was, you could hear it, the rushing, gushing flow. And, you know, it, we would do so good to remember that that is our reality. That is the world we are living in. Like Tisa said, the, um, the veil has been torn. Jesus paid the price. This is, it is settled. The heavens are open. They are pouring out. God's abundant supply is pouring out, readily available. So if we are in a moment or a, a circumstance that feels dry, that feels like it's lacking, that feels like we don't have what we need, all we have to do is ask. All we have to do is tap into what we know is there. And one way that's really good to do that is even go into gratefulness. When you can't see where the flow is, when you can't see how to get what you need, just telling yourself over and over again, I know that your heavens are open and that you are pouring out in abundance right now. I know that you said I could have this. I know you said it was mine. I know you wanted to to fund my destiny. I know you wanted to fuel my body. You wanted to heal my body. You wanted to provide for my family. You said this is what you wanted to do. I know it's true. I know you're pouring out. Tell, tell me how to make contact with it. Tell me how to connect with your overflowing abundance. We would do so good if we could just reposition ourselves in that way and hang on to that mentality. When we experience a dryness or a lack, it's nothing to God. We're just need to do this, you know, that's all you have to do. It's just a tiny little step. And so um, that focus on lack and what we don't have is a trap. It is a trap. And there's a million stories in the Bible to show that if you focus on what you don't have, what you used to have, but don't have anymore, it's a trap. Everything that you need at this point in time while you were on earth to do your destiny, to live your life, to supply for your family, provide for your family, to be healthy and strong, everything you need is being poured out right now. That is the truth and the reality that we are living in right now. So Papa, I just want to say thank you. I thank you for your generosity. I thank you that you don't hold back. That here we are so imperfect in our humanity. We are so far from perfect. We are so far from doing it all right and from earning the right to have the access to the open heaven. But you give it to us anyways. 
And you don't give it in just small portions to see what we're going to do with it exactly. You just pour it out, gushing, gushing, overflowing, splashing all around us. You're not concerned with whether we do everything perfect. You just want us to know what you are supplying so that we won't get tripped up but we, what we don't yet see that is available to us. So I thank you for your abundant provision for us, that you are a father who pre-provides for the dream you put in our heart, that you pre-provide for the obstacle that we're going to face, that you pre-provide for the adversity that we, are, that we may have to go through. Whether it's the mountain or the valley, you pre-provide what we need. We are never, never, never in lack because we have you for a good, good father. So I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would open blind eyes, that you would, that, that hope acronym, that you would help us help other people to open their eyes to see the truth of what is provided for them, that they are not in lack, that they have more than enough reason to be filled with hope. They can be filled with hope in every scenario, in every moment, even when their feelings disagree, they have a right and a reason to feel hopeful. Even when your feelings disagree, you have a right and a reason to feel hopeful because of what Jesus did on the cross 2,000 years ago. That is a fact. That is a truth that you can tell yourself as much as you need to. And so I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would just seal this message up and that you would light it on fire, that you would set a blaze underneath it and keep it burning to just remind us to, to, to recognize the fire, the water, the outpouring, all of your provision, all the elements of what you provide, that you would help us to break the habit of looking at what we don't have as if our solution will be found by staring at it, that you will break that off of us, that you will break those routines, that you will break off that training that says we have to stare at it, look at it, analyze it, turn it upside down, stand on our head and look at it, talk to all of our friends about it. That is not how we find the flow of the open heaven of what you've provided. We turn our gaze to you. So Holy Spirit, I pray that you would make that a process that would shift in each person's life on an individual level, in their heart, in their mind, in the way that they carry out their day, the way they interact in their relationships, all of it, Lord. We just ask you to shift us under the flow in whatever way we need to. So we thank you for your provision. We thank you for your amazing, generous, generous heart over us. We love you and we praise you for all of our days. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life Okay. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.